0: This is a Sandy Boy Productions podcast. Hey, everybody. Welcome to All Have Another Podcast with Lindsay Hine. I'm your host, Lindsay, and I am so grateful you are here today. Uh, I want to give you a heads up. I'm doing some post-Chicago Marathon interviews. Going to spit those out one right after the other, probably next week. I'm really excited about that. Um, If you want to hear a pre-interview with the new American record holder in the Marathon, Emily Sisson. I talked to Emily before the Chicago Marathon over on Relay, so if you want to be a part of the Relay community, you can just go to patreon.com slash Relay. There's that interview there, and also, we just posted a pre-New York City Marathon interview with Emma Bates over there. Lots of great stuff going on. I'm actually today recording an episode with Mike Coe and Kara Goucher, just all things chicago marathon our experience being there for the weekend spectating mike ran uh kara was a spectator of a major marathon for the first time and we're gonna break that down that'll be live now when you're listening to this because i'm recording this on wednesday and this episode is airing on friday really excited about all the great content over on relay just go to patreon.com slash relay um all right friends today's episode is with eric sawinski really, really excited about this conversation. Eric is just an awesome guy. He's a three-time USA champion and a 2016 World Indoor third place finisher. I said that really weird, didn't I? (laughs) He ran for Iowa. He's from Wisconsin and He is an 800-meter runner. He ran for Nike for a lot of years. He's running unsponsored now, and he's known for his amazing pacing abilities. He is oftentimes a pacer in big meets and still racing himself as well. I really enjoyed talking to Eric and getting to know him. One of my favorite things about this podcast is getting to know all the incredible athletes on the track circuit, on the road circuit, the marathon circuit. It is so fun. Uh, Friends, this episode is sponsored by Inside Tracker. Whether you are a big runner, you like to ride your bike, whatever it is you are doing to push your body, it's really important to know what's going on inside your body so that you can compete and train to the best of your abilities I would hate to put all this time and energy into training and know that I could optimize certain things and it could be so much better. Inside Tracker analyzes your blood DNA and fitness tracking to identify where you are optimized and where you're not. I did my panel with Inside Tracker and my ferritin was not super low, but it was low enough that the dietitian I spoke with on this podcast told me, "Hey, if I were training for a marathon, I'd go ahead and take a supplement and and get it up a little bit because you'll feel better." So that's what I'm doing. I am taking its Hemaplex. That is the specific iron supplement that Maddie Alm, who is a dietitian that's been on this podcast, uh, recommended. I love the Inside Tracker, breaks down every single thing, tells you where you're optimized, where you're where you're not, and also gives you specific nutrition information on how you can better fuel your body based on what your results said. So the good news is you all can save 20% at Inside Tracker for your next blood test. When you go to insidetracker.com another, going to that specific URL, insidetracker.com another, will get you 20% off for a limited time. You can also use the code another to get that 20% off if you don't go to that exact landing page. Uh, all right, friends, leave us a rating and review if you are enjoying this podcast. And please, please, please enjoy my conversation with Eric Sawinski. All right. Well, today on the podcast, we have Eric Sowinski on the show. Welcome to the show, Eric.
1: Hi, thanks for having me.
0: Thanks for being here. How long have you been back in the States?
1: Oh, uh, two and a half weeks.
0: Oh, oh it's longer yeah, two, than I two thought. Yeah, weeks.
1: Yeah, so I'm just uh, just getting over my little break from from running So I'm enjoying a little bit of time off.
0: Did you take a full break?
1: Yeah, I usually take um, – I used to take only about a week, but now I take closer to two of just doing nothing. Yeah. Um, Kind of after doing this for so long I just need a little bit of more mental than physical after all of the, the the travel and racing just kind of a break to to do nothing and hang out
0: Listen I was just thinking about this because you know how people like to say age is just a number I have like such conflicted thoughts on that phrase because I'm like Okay, yes and no. Like, we do amazing things in our 30s and 40s and beyond, but, like, our bodies and minds require a different kind of recovery, if we're being honest, and a different kind of training.
1: Yeah, 100%. Uh, You know, I kind of joke with some, I still, you know, live here in Iowa City and I'm around the the track team, of one I say, man, like, is amazing what my body could have done when i was you know 21 22 23 and i feel like once i hit my late 20s it's just you know you kind of have to be smarter about what you do and and when you do it not to say that i can't do the same things i used to do it's just more so um you know have to do them less often and be a little smarter about it so uh yeah it definitely changes when you get older um unfortunately we've had a coach who went through the same thing i mean he was a you know professional track athlete for uh, well over a decade um so he kind of went through the same thing and in, in that transition so it was nice having someone there to you know help me through that uh, knowing it wasn't just me feeling a little bit worse sometimes you know he had, had been through that and kind of adjust things accordingly so i'm very lucky as far as that goes
0: yeah, I'm always curious, like, people that are doing superhuman things as they age, like, they would probably say the same thing, right? Like, yeah, I can still do big, big crazy things, but, like, my body does feel a little, I feel good, but it feels different.
1: Yeah, 100%. Uh funny you know just rolling out of bed a couple times here and there you're just like man this hurts and i haven't felt that before and yeah so i mean you you can still definitely do some really special things when you get older but i think it just you know takes a little bit more refining and being smart about things to be able to do that
0: i'm trying to think when i started the morning hobble like when i you know what i mean (laughs) like when you get out of bed and you're just like oh i feel this and Usually it is when I'm training more, like when I'm yeah. like exercising my body more and running more, I feel I wake up and I'm just like more stiff. And I'm like, when did that start happening? It's been a while.
1: Yeah. I mean, I've had a couple of days here, even the last year or two, where you know, I'll do doubles sometimes in the fall for training and I'll make it two minutes out the door on the second of a double. And I'm like, it's just not happening, not happening today. Not today. And I, turn around and come home and I said three or four miles here or there is not going to make a, a difference. So might as well get a little extra rest.
0: But you actually are pretty young. 32, right?
1: I guess. Yeah. In in comparing to a lot of the guys I raced against now, it might not seem like I'm pretty young, but, um, I mean, I don't feel old by any means. So
0: yeah, because who was I talking to? Oh, English Gardener. Um, I was talking to, you know, you're 800, she's 100, totally different, but, I was thinking this through because I interview marathoners probably the most. You know, I hit 5K, 10K, and then we get in the shorter distances in the track sometimes. But I'm more familiar with the marathon conversation. And I was asking her the same thing. Like, how does aging, how is that with like the shorter distances compared to the marathon? You know, like if you were doing the 10,000 or something like that, Do you think your body would be handling, you know, entering your 30s and beyond differently than having to do such fast work in the 800?
1: Maybe. Um, I I think you see a lot of 800 guys now. It's kind of like the late 20s is when they start to, you know, peak. And I think that even in some of that, you know, 10K plus, I feel like some guys are going to, you know, their mid thirties, late thirties, and you see them like setting a big personal best. So it's probably a lot of dependent on the individual, but I would say maybe uh, it's more common for someone in the longer distances to kind of have, you know, a, a bigger breakthrough later in their career than someone who's, uh, you know, has to do fast stuff, a little fast twitch stuff all the time. So
0: do you think you'll go up in distance ever? I know you do 15 sometimes.
1: Probably not. No, no interest. <laughs> no, I don't, uh, not really. Um, you know, I've, always been on the shorter end you know 400 up to the 800 and we've tested a couple 1500s here there so I would consider maybe exploring like a 1500 but anything after that has no interest to me so um I just I don't think I'm super capable um on that aerobic end of things so uh I'd rather be playing basketball at the YMCA than trying to run a 10k on the track so
0: (laughs) yeah I love that you're into sports I was um just before the interview I my husband's really into sports, too. And I was like, hey, if you live in Iowa, but you're from Wisconsin, what teams are you into? And he was like, well, if you live in Iowa, you could be like, you could be like Wisconsin, Chicago, like there's all these different. So so what are you who are your teams?
1: Uh, so I grew up just outside of Milwaukee. OK, um, so I was always a big Milwaukee Bucks, Milwaukee Brewers fan. Okay. Uh, but my dad, who also lived in the Milwaukee area his whole life, um, just grew up a Chiefs fan randomly. Um, so I've been a big Chiefs fan my whole life. I've never been a Packers fan. Uh, so it's just kind of different than a lot of people you'll meet from Wisconsin. But yeah, I've been a a big Chiefs fan my whole life. So
0: how does this even happen? The randomness, because we're from Indiana and my husband's dad is a huge Michigan fan, like Michigan football. And so my husband has always been a huge Michigan guy, hates Notre Dame, hates Ohio State, (laughs) And I'm like, but why? You're from Indiana. And there's really no reason. Like, I think his dad randomly liked a coach when he was like 20. And then it went yeah. all went from there.
1: Yeah, kind of the same thing. I mean, my dad just randomly liked a couple players on the Chiefs when he was a kid. And, you know, followed the Chiefs growing up. And that just kind of rubbed off on me. And so, yeah, something we've shared in common has just been being Chiefs fans our whole life.
0: Okay, so growing up, I know you didn't start running until high school, mid-high school. Uh, did you follow sports, like track and field? Or outside. Did you follow track and field? I know you follow sports, basketball. Yeah. You like love that. Like, Did you know anything about what's going on in that world?
1: I mean, we would obviously watch the Olympics. I mean, the Olympics was probably the big thing, you know, when that came around with, I don't know, Michael Johnson, Marion Jones, Morty Screen, like that whole crew growing up. Like we would always watch during the Olympics, but as far as like a normal world championships or anything like that, definitely not. So I'd say I followed it when like the Olympics rolled around, but I wasn't. Super invested in it by any means.
0: Yeah, world championships is like unless you're in the sport and you or like you're following it, you're really invested. The world doesn't know much about world championships outside of the sport of running,
1: right? Which is crazy. Um, I mean, there's way more money in the world championships for a track and field athlete as far as like prize money goes than the Olympics. So, just kind of funny how that works. I mean, for uh, I mean a lot of athletes. I mean, obviously being an Olympian and being called an Olympian like there's a lot that comes with that but as far as like the the financial aspect of track and field a lot of athletes make more money at a world championships than they would an Olympic so it's kind of funny
0: how do you think we can change that like how do we get more eyes on it
1: I don't know it's kind of the rhetorical question right track and field lately is like hey how do we make this more popular how do we get more money in athletes pockets um it's hard I mean I, I think one of the biggest things that I've always thought about is why we restrict athletes to you know a single sponsor on their jersey Mm. and that's kind of something that i've run into even just the last couple years i mean i haven't had a contract since 2020 um so i just had my second full season without a contract and it's hard i think if you know if i could have five six seven local businesses all in my jersey i could easily you know make that happen and, and make a living off of you know having local businesses sponsor me but um you can't provide a ton if you're only allowed, you know, one logo on your jersey. So I think that that's a thing as far as, you know, just like athletes and, and how we can, you know, better help them. And I think, you know, if we loosen these restrictions on, you know, sponsorships and, and what that looks like, I think that could be big for the sport.
0: Um, it's so interesting that I'm talking to you today, because I actually just had a conversation this week, yesterday, I guess it was, and it's coming out this Friday on the podcast with Eleanor Fulton. Who is another unsponsored athlete right now yeah. who is like kicking ass right now and she was talking about what something we're gonna talk about in depth today, which we didn't really talk to her in depth, but um is the pacing like you know, she recently ish paced something and then I had asked her like do you pace a lot? I didn't know much about her pacing history like I am up to date on yours and um. She was like, well, yeah, I mean, I do it so that I can afford to go to races and not like, you know, pay out of pocket to do this. And I I don't always love it, but like it makes it make sense.
1: Yeah, 100 percent. I think, you know, that's been big for me is I mean, I'm not making a lot of money from pacing by any means, but it allows me to, you know, pursue some competitive opportunities that I don't know if I could financially make happen without you know, having, you know, built up some of that money from pacing some of these bigger races.
0: Okay. So let's talk about your pacing. Um, you said you've been unsponsored without a contract for two years. Were you pacing a lot before that though?
1: No, kind of two years is kind of when it first started.
0: So like, you're looking at this as a business, like, okay, how do I make this work?
1: Right. hundred percent. Um, so, I mean, there's not a huge market for aging 800-meter runners as far as shoe sponsorships goes, sure. unfortunately. Um, yeah, I know even, you know, being pretty consistent and, you know, still making U.S. finals, it's just there's not a, a big market for that. So kind of uh, stepping into the pacing has just been a way to kind of help, you know, pay the bills and help myself be able to, to race some of these bigger races.
0: 16 U.S. finals you've made, right? Yeah. So then where do you see it going? I mean, and I heard you say... You love to race like you would race every day if you could. Yeah. So like, are you just going to continue pacing? And because you're going to keep getting older.
1: Yeah. Uh, I don't know. Um, I think if we're being 100 percent honest, there's a chance that I've already raced my last professional 800 meter race. Um, I don't know. Just kind of in a, you know, a decision thing here between seasons and and see what things look like come come the rest of the fall so um you know i've had a couple of discussions with maybe some some shoe contract stuff but there gets to be a point where is it you know where you ask yourself is it worth it to keep doing this for what you see in the results i mean i did five separate trips to europe this year um it just ends up being you know it ends up being a lot of travel um to kind of make ends meet and at some point you have to decide whether it's worth it or not so yeah i don't know Um, if I, if I do keep going, um, after this year, you'll probably definitely see me still, still pacing some races, but I think, um, if we're being honest, it's still kind of up in the air right now. So
0: how does that feel?
1: Fine. Um, I think, yeah, yeah hundred percent. Um, I think, you know, I realized when probably when I turned 30 and lost my contract that, Hey, like I knew this is not gonna last forever. And at the end of the day, I think I want it to be on my terms whenever it happens. Um, whenever I decide to be done and you know I mean I made the U.S. final indoors and outdoors this year I know I'm still competitive so it's not like a, a lack of not being able to compete with some of the best guys out there still so I think that it will be big for me that whenever I decide to be done that you know it'll be on my terms and it won't be you know being forced out of the sport or anything so
0: that does feel good yeah. um does COVID have anything to do with losing the contract
1: Yes. Okay. Um, so I know a lot of a lot of athletes, kind of the same thing. I don't know if these numbers are fact-checked or not, but a couple of the agents were saying that I think Nike cut somewhere around 70% of their athletes um, because of COVID and Adidas put a halt on signing new athletes completely. Um, I know that that's like starting to come back around, but I mean, COVID had a big, big effect on that. Um, and then just on athletes too. I mean, not a lot of competitive opportunities over that two year span. And so, Yeah, I know it's just was kind of tough all around for the sport. So,
0: yeah, it's just it's wild to think about. I mean, COVID affected every business in almost every way. And so just the fact that it affected the athletes so much more. And I don't know that we talked about it as much as as we could have or what, you know, what is there to say? It is what it is. But yeah, um, and I know different sponsors were like still requiring X number of races where some sponsors were being more lenient on that. Yep. Yeah. I think it was the Nike athletes that like still had to do their 10 races or something like that.
1: <laughs> I think I remember seeing, oh, I don't remember if it was, they put on a couple of random meets I think in like Texas. I think I remember seeing like Isaiah Harris running like a hundred and a 300 or something just to get some random races in to, to fill that quota.
0: Hey friends, a quick break here to let you know about Prevenex. This is where I go for all of my vitamins and supplements. The Joint Health Plus specifically is an amazing supplement for active people. The ingredients in Joint Health are clinically proven to offer the most comprehensive and complete joint protection and a relief available on the market. The great thing about Prevanex is if you are not totally satisfied, they have a money back guarantee. I use the Joint Health every single day, especially when I'm gearing up marathon training, uh, like I am now. Three weeks out from the new york city marathon Uh, we also use their protein powder like every single day in this house my boys eat it on their bananas bananas peanut butter and a little sprinkle of protein powder they love it but it is my go-to refuel after a hard workout or a long run i make a really nutrient dense high calorie protein smoothie to get a quick refuel in after a big workout and it tastes delicious too So if you have been thinking about trying out Prevanex, now is the time. Go to prevenex.com, use the code ANOTHER, and that will get you 15% off your first order. The code LINDSAY15, L-I-N-D-S-E-Y15 also works as well. All right, friends, back to the show. Um, talk about what it's like racing with these these young guys out of college in the eight hundred.
1: It's a blast. Yeah. Um, I mean, I mean, like I've always said, I I love to race. So just every year, been able to you know test yourself against new people and people that you know kind of come out of the woodwork that have been you know pretty good for a while, but kind of take that next step. And yeah, I mean, you know, uh, I kind of went through that that journey myself. So it's kind of nice to just being such good friends with a lot of these guys and seeing them succeed and being able to test yourself against them, um, on the track is, it's awesome. And I enjoy every time I'm out there.
0: Yeah. You're kind of in a place now where it's like, you've been on the track long enough that you ran with some like really well known names that everybody, everybody knows. And now you're like in the mix of the guys your age and, and the yeah. younger guys, there's like a really wide span of, of humans you've been able to race with.
1: Yeah, it's been awesome. I mean, you know, uh, obviously when I came through, it was, you know, Nick Simmons, Dwayne Solomon, that whole group. Um, I mean, just even having, you know, race David Rujita here, you know, probably 10 plus times um, to now transitioning to being able to race Donovan Brazier and a lot of these guys, it's, it's pretty cool to, uh, you know, have, have raced such a wide array of athletes over the last decade. And a lot of people that have accomplished some pretty special things.
0: What is it like now compared to what it was like then? I'm talking like right when you were first pro, like what's changed?
1: Um, personally, I think for me, like I would get a lot more nervous back then for for better or for worse, which I mean nerves aren't always a bad thing. Like oh, she's told me that, you know, nerves can, can be good. But you know, I used to be really, really nervous all these times when I would step on the track and I was like, you know, do I belong here racing against some of these guys? I think that, you know, having been in so many different races, so many different places against so many different people, like I've realized that hey, like I belong and I still get nervous for races, but I think that, you know, I realized that hey Um, As long as I execute this, how, you know, I know I'm capable of um, and give myself a shot at some point in the race to win it, that, you know, I'll be happy with the outcome regardless. So um, I think I've just, you know, more so found my place personally in the sport, you know, just being being very content with that.
0: I wonder if anybody doesn't go through that, like that imposter syndrome, like whoever's standing on the line with Allison Felix or whoever it is. And you're like, what? I'm in this race, you know, and did she feel like that ever I don't know, because she's always been kind of like winning everything. But like, you know, I feel right. like 99% of people go through that and you maybe need to.
1: Yeah, for sure. Um, and that's kind of, you know, something I've tried to do is just, you know, seeing a lot of younger guys kind of struggle with that and just struggle with finding footing um, in the sport after college. Because it's such a big transition from from college to the professional ranks. Um, so just kind of something I've tried to do is just, you know, help as, as many of these guys as I can just – you know, try and try and find their way. And if you know, if I can't find the answer to something they're looking for, then, you know, hopefully I've made enough connections to kind of put them in the right direction. So something I enjoy doing there.
0: Do you pay attention to college at all? Like who are the eight hundred guys who are coming up that are gonna be like the ones who are in and, and we'll talk about this part of your story. Like not being heavily recruited, not having an agent right out of college, all that. But like do you are you paying attention to college guys?
1: Oh yeah, I still love to follow. I mean I love the sport and so Obviously, you're curious as who you're going to be seeing in, you know, some of the U.S. championships coming up. Um, but even then, it's just, you know, a lot of guys that I know on the Iowa team that are, you know, competitive in racing against these guys. I like to watch as many races as I'm able to. So, yeah, I definitely do still follow college.
0: What's the best thing about Iowa?
1: Just the people, the environment. Um, everything is you know, just feels like home here. I don't have to hesitate anything I'm looking for anything I need, like there's someone here who's who's willing to to help me out or find a way to help me. And that's been been big for me. I think from the day I stepped foot on campus, just felt like a family, um, the whole track and field program. And then, you know, that's kind of blossomed into just the community in general. So yeah, it's been awesome, you know, coming from Wisconsin, not knowing anybody here at school, I was a little nervous. But um, yeah, it was the best decision I could have made.
0: So now are you an an Iowa lifer or will you go back to Wisconsin?
1: I wouldn't say I'm an Iowa lifer, but I don't know that I'll go back to Wisconsin either. So I think that, you know, depending what the next step in my professional journey is, probably will dictate um, maybe where I end up. And I don't know what that is or what that's going to look like, but we'll see.
0: Midwest is best, though.
1: I do love the Midwest.
0: (laughs) The one thing I I miss about Midwest moving to North Carolina is the fall. It's just... I don't think you can beat a Midwest fall.
1: That's my favorite season out here.
0: It's so beautiful. And I'm happy to be here because I don't have to, like, be sad that winter's coming because winter is so mild here. Um, But there's just something really special about a Midwest
1: fall. Yeah, I agree.
0: So you went to Iowa on a 10% scholarship. Yeah. I just love sharing these stories of people who, like, pursued it all in regardless of what they were handed because of the results they had already had. Um, And you did that both in college and in your professional career. So do you have advice to people that are walking through that, like who are walking into like wanting to go to college or wanting to go pro, but they don't feel like they're being pursued?
1: Um, I think it's always hardest to like take that first step to just take a chance at it. And I think that for me, it was, I think if I wouldn't have done either one of those that I probably would have regretted it looking back and that I didn't want to have any regrets on not exploring everything because I knew that's what I wanted to do. Like I knew I wanted to, you know, compete in track in college. I knew I wanted to, you know, try and pursue that professionally. So I think that for me, I think the advice I would give is just taking that that first step and just, just going all in because at the end of the day, like life is really short and I didn't want to have any regrets. So that's kind of the way that I looked at it. And that's what I tell people, you know, when they ask me, you know, whether I should do this or not, um, I just ask them, you know, how much they want to do it. And if they do just, just take that first step. It's always the hardest.
0: Did you think like that at 20 and like 18? Cause I mean, now I'm like, life is so short. I want to do all the things. Like, can I fit it all in as I approach 40? But like to think like that as a young 20 is really mature.
1: I'm so fortunate with how Great, my family has been and backing me throughout this entire thing. So, both my parents um, are only children, so we have a really, really small family. Um, so, when I came on my visit to Iowa, it was me, my mom, um, and my grandpa, and we were all really close. And um, you know, he he really loved Iowa. And I think you know, I had sent everything to go to Wisconsin. I had my roommate. I was going to live with a high school friend. Wow. Um, and, You know, we and we went on a family vacation. He, him, and my mom just kind of sat me down, and we just talk through it. And we're like, Hey, like, do we really think this is the best option? Are we doing this because this is what's most comfortable. And so it just kind of had a little bit of a a revelation there and changed my mind about a month before school started to to go to Iowa and the rest is history. So yeah, I've been very fortunate with, you know, my family, my brother, my sister, my parents, my grandparents have been huge throughout this entire journey. So um, it's a lot of thanks to them.
0: I love that you shared that. That's so beautiful.
1: Yeah,
0: we do things in life because it's easy and comfortable. Yeah. I mean, I think a lot of people do that. So you have two siblings?
1: Yep, brother and sister, both younger.
0: Okay, what's their story in a nutshell? Do they run?
1: Uh, They both ran in in high school. My sister played soccer in college at Wisconsin Lutheran. And my brother um, was a biology major, studied abroad in Australia. We've actually lived together for a few years here, the last couple years. um, So we're really close. So yeah, they're both... uh, they're both great and they've been huge in this journey for me too.
0: I feel like I would murder my sister if I lived with her. Like I just, <laughs> we would butt heads so much.
1: It was more so that way I feel like in high school. Like we mm-hmm. shared a room and we would butt heads a lot then. But now, I mean, he's he's one of my best friends. So um, it's great living together. We share a lot of, you know, similar interests and, and do a lot of things together. So it's been awesome.
0: Maybe I just haven't matured enough since high school. <laughs> <laughs> um, Yeah. And let's not pass over the basketball thing because you almost played basketball in college.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So I uh, had explored playing D2 basketball and kind of had a breakthrough in track. So that kind of shifted me in that direction. But yeah, I love playing basketball in high school. Um, haven't done it much recently, but um, something I'll definitely do once I step away from the track is is get back into that a little bit.
0: I was going to say, yeah, Are you picture yourself like joining some rec leagues and, and doing some pickup games at the park
1: hundred percent. I can't wait for that. Um, I broke my ankle twice in high school once was in a basketball practice. And so I haven't, uh, done too much of that since I started college. So I'll probably be a little rusty, but I'm excited to, to test it out there again.
0: Yeah. You can't risk that. That's just, no, you can't risk that right now in your life yeah. or for the last however many years. <laughs> um, let's talk about college a little bit more though. Cause you're still with your coach. Yep. Woody. Yeah. Yep. That's what he goes by. Okay. That's a long time to be with the same coach. You don't, you don't hear too often that people are still a decade later with their coach from college. So what's so special about Woody?
1: Um, I think, you know, from the moment I stepped on campus, like it was just, we had a great relationship and I knew a lot of his pedigree, what he'd done in the sport and knew that, you know, when I was a freshman in college, I knew that, you know i wanted to improve and and do everything i could and i felt like he was the best option as far as that went um you know i kind of progressed year to year had a really good senior season and then you know he was kind of the one who pushed me towards pursuing track professionally uh post post college um so i was applying to med schools i took the mcat i was going to do that and after ncaa's my senior year he just kind of nudged me and was like i think we should give this you know another shot like i think there's still more in the tank um and you know, he was willing to do everything he could to to help me out and, and pursue that. So yeah, it's been an awesome journey with him and I definitely couldn't have done it without him. And you know, he's uh, you know, one of my best friends also and we've had a great relationship and that's, you know, just flourished throughout the years. Um so yeah, it's been awesome.
0: Do you ever think about the med school thing? Like, what if I was a doctor right now?
1: <laughs> yes and no. Um, you know, I love track and I, I at this point I couldn't imagine having done anything else. But um I do kind of wonder what my life would look like had I decided to you know, pursue that option instead.
0: Okay, so big Eric fans will know this story. But I imagine a good percentage of my listeners might not know the story of you working at the running store and getting called (laughs) to go run at the Milrose Games. So will you share that story?
1: Yeah. Uh, So after college, um, no sponsor, no agent. I emailed USATF's entire list of agents on their website um, coming out of college and had, Zero responses, which is kind of funny. <laughs> um so my zero. Actually, zero. So my coach set me up with an agent that he knew from when he was running, um, who I'm still, you know, with today. And uh, he got me into some indoor races um early um my first year, um, which was tough. I mean, I was working forty hours a week at a running store, um just trying to, you know, make ends meet and save up money to be able to, you know, pursue some of these races. So had a couple of good indoor races in Europe, got back. Um, we were just kind of, you know, getting ready for U.S. championships. Um, I still remember it vividly. It was a Wednesday. Uh, <laughs> I had done a really hard workout on the track, and I grabbed my phone afterwards, and I have a voicemail asking if I wanted to race the Milrose Games 600 um, that Saturday.
0: Who was on the voicemail? Like, who, who was the person? Uh,
1: Ray Flynn. So Ray is one of the agents. Oh, your agent. He <laughs> helps. Yeah. Uh, no, so this is a different agent. Um but he is uh, kind of the meat director for the Melrose games. So he had um, reached out, left me a voicemail and called him back, took it, him up on it. Um, I flew out to New York city on Friday afternoon, got there late Friday afternoon, um, raced on Saturday. And, you know, the rest is kind of history. Um, And I had a bunch of, friends from the running store uh co that you know made the trip out there um Aww. brought brought a fat head out there you can kind of see it in the video he's running across the stands when the race starts so um it was cool to be able to share that with them because i mean they helped me out a ton and just you know being able to you know pursue running while not being super financially strained i mean they were great about allowing me to work whenever i wanted um made time for me to you know go lifting go to practice so they were super accommodating um another group of people that i definitely couldn't have done this without
0: uh yeah, so you grabbed the American record
1: yeah, in that race. Yeah, That's correct. the other yeah. big
0: part of the story. <laughs> oh, <yeah. laughs> that you're being too humble to say. Um and you were racing against like big big names. Was that a time where people were like who is this guy? Like, oh, okay. And like how much did that experience like change the trajectory of your immediate career?
1: Yeah. So, I mean, it was kind of built up as a, you know, Nick Simmons versus Dwayne Solomon. And rightfully so, I mean, those guys were fourth and fifth at the Olympics the year prior in the 800. Um, Dwayne had actually broken the American record in the 600 a couple weeks before that. Okay. Um, so it's kind of, you know, build as a, a battle between those two guys. Um, I think kind of sneakily, I ran pretty fast in Russia like two weeks before. Okay. So um, I don't think many people knew that, but, you know, I ran pretty quick. I was like two or three tenths off the American record. So, um, you know, I personally knew that, you know, I, I, I belong in the race. I think 600 is kind of, it's probably is my best distance if that were like a, a legit racing distance indoors and outdoors would have, would have been my best race. Um, but yeah, so I mean, you know, plan was just to to stick my nose in it from the gun. And, uh, yeah, I was able to kick pretty hard the last hundred and, and broke the American record.
0: What Dwayne and Nick say to you after the race, do you remember?
1: Uh, they just congratulated me. I think they were both kind of confused. I don't think think either one of them knew who I was. Um, I mean, I think I might've raced Dwayne or Nick in like the semifinals of the Olympic trials the year prior, but, um, you know, I hadn't been in any real big races like that. So I think they were probably a little bit confused for sure.
0: I mean, it kind of just like nails in the point that like, you can't assume what these other guys that are unknowns are going to do out here.
1: Yeah, I think you, know, you kind of see that um, year after year, especially in the 800 is, you know, someone comes out of nowhere to, you know, whether it's, you know, make a U.S. final, make a world final and, and surprise some people. So, um, you know, it's definitely an event. I think that, you know, when people, you know, whether they're change the training up or they haven't been healthy for a while, that people can, you know, kind of sneak through the woodwork and surprise people a lot of the time.
0: Hey, everybody, I want to tell you about KOROS. If you are in the market for a GPS watch, this is what I've been wearing since 2018. I've got the same watch I got in 2018. It works so well, it's so user-friendly, easy to program workouts, get your splits done, and it's very sleek looking. I really like how my Koros looks. That's important too, right? Um, I actually have a blue band on my Koros, which I really love. And the cool thing is, is when you use the code ANOTHER, you can get an extra band at checkout. So I think they, I think you can choose your band color. Most of them come in black and then you can choose a different color to to swap out. And I have that like light blue color that I really like. So many pros are wearing Koros, including the world record holder for the marathon, Kipchoge, Molly Seidel, Sally McRae, Camille Heron, Emily Infeld. So many pros. I think that... Koros has really made a name for themselves because their data is accurate and their watches are easy to use. So if it's time to get a new watch, go to koros.com, use the code ANOTHER, and that'll get you a free extra accessory item with your purchase. So you go ahead and put that accessory item in your cart, and then at checkout, you'll enter the code ANOTHER, and that will get you the free item. All right, back to the show. So when you first started doing this crazy pacing tour that you've been doing, had you paced ever at all?
1: Uh, So I had paced once previously. Um, So Yomif Kajelcho was going after the world record indoors in Boston. Um, And this was back in, I don't remember, maybe 2017, 2018. Um, It was like right after US Championships for us. Um, And so they asked me to to pace that. Um, So that was kind of the first time I'd done anything like that. And there was nothing for two years after that until, um, you know, the rest of the pacing kind of took off. But yeah, so I'd done one pace job and then two years of, of nothing.
0: Cause I have on my notes that you paced this February Jacob to yep. an indoor world record, three thirty sixty.
1: Correct. Yep.
0: So you've been a part of two world record pacing jobs. Yep. Yeah. Okay. What's that like to like be a part of that accomplishment?
1: It's cool. Um, I think that, you know, being seeked out to be the person to kind of help guys um, go after some of these records is, is pretty special. I think that, you know, it just really shows a, a culmination of the last decade of, you know, being super consistent on the track myself and just developing a reputation of, you know, being able to to do those kind of things and, and be consistent and, and trusted. I think that it's pretty cool to be looked at in that manner.
0: What do you think are the factors that go into your consistency?
1: Um, I, I think a lot of it's just the amount that we race, the amount that I've raced over my career. Um, it's just kind of the mentality we've had since I, um, you know, started racing, even in college. I mean, we would race every weekend in college. Um, I've done a couple of, you know, Europe trips, where I've raced, you know, six or seven times in two and a half weeks. Um, I think that that's just really helped me be consistent in, you know, being in so many different race environments, whether it's you know the guys I'm racing or the actual like weather and anything. You know, I'm comfortable no matter what the conditions are. So I think that, um, they want someone who's, you know, seasoned has been through a lot of it and you know, the moment doesn't, doesn't get the best of them. I think that, um, it's just kind of something that I've been able to to do throughout the years.
0: Do you feel calm when you go to the line to pace these guys?
1: Uh, the first couple of times was a little stressful just be like, not having done it much and not knowing what to expect. But I think the more I've done it, the more calm I am. Um, I've always been really good in practice about like, hitting splits and being pretty close to that kind of stuff so we just more look at it as you know like a workout and and trying to hit consistent splits um so that that's made it a lot more comfortable for sure
0: so we talked about how like this is like a necessary thing for you to compete because you need to like pay the bills and make the money but do you get frustrated like do you feel like ah what if i could like give that much more juice in my race because i'm not pacing so much
1: I try not to look at it like that. Yeah. Um, you know, I'm, I'm definitely just grateful to, for the opportunities I get, um, whether it's to pace or race, I think that to kind of look at it in that light might take away from, from both of those. So, um, you know, we just try to set up the best schedule we can and, and find some spots where, you know, pacing makes sense at the end of the day. Like, I think it probably has helped my racing a little bit. Um, just being able to get some of these, you know, longer reps and look at them like workouts. Um, so I think that it's probably been beneficial. Um, is it taking away from races at times? Probably, but, at the end of the day, like it's a, it's a necessary evil. So just something that we have to do.
0: So where does your like positive mental mindset come from?
1: I think having done this so long and just, you know, seeing how a lot of people's journeys have gone, I think that, you know, I've been very fortunate in everything that I've been able to, you know, do in the sport, you know, the people I've met through the sport. So I think that, um, I think that I've, uh, adopted that a little bit more as I get older and reflect on things. Um, you know, I'm probably a little more, I'm definitely more mature now than I was at, at 23 or 24. So just being able to, you know, kind of see that I've had a lot of opportunities that, you know, a lot of people don't get to experience. So, um, you know, just try to look at everything positively. And uh, yeah, I mean, everything happens for a reason. So just trying to be consistent as I can, give them the best effort I can. And, you know, ultimately, hopefully the right things will happen.
0: Yeah. I wonder if like looking back on your career, like what, what this will have meant to you. You know, like this is looks so different than what a lot of people's professional career looks like. And a lot of people will say, you probably won't want to say it about yourself, but that you like give so much to the running community because of all the pacing that you do. And I mean, it's a really, really cool thing. So do you ever think about like when I look back on this, like what will this season have meant to me?
1: Very. um I mean, honestly like the whole thing like looking back the last decade still kind of seems surreal and not something I would have expected you know as a kid growing up that would have been you know professional track athlete for over a decade um so yeah I mean it definitely still at times like the whole thing seems surreal so I'll be curious to see what that looks like you know down the road when I get older and just reflect on everything in general
0: um what like what do you think you want to do you said you might have run your last professional race that's a big thing to say
1: yeah uh i have said that the last two years well last year also okay, in this year. okay. Uh, well I, I didn't i didn't you know it's hard right um like i love track and field i'm still competitive and i always have that itch to to race and be competitive but obviously there's a lot that goes into that um i don't know exactly what i want to do i would like to stay in sports for sure i don't know what that looks like like i've explored some sports marketing opportunities and some things along those lines um I could use a break from all of the travel. So I don't know that I really want to explore like coaching or being an agent right out of the, right out of the gate. So, um, yeah, just kind of trying to see what, what options are out there and and what makes sense, but I don't have like a, something I'm set on doing per se.
0: I've always wondered about all that travel and the competing. It's just like, so much on your body to travel so much and then then to go to a track or a marathon or whatever it is and like try to perform at your like highest level after jet lag and you know just disruption in your schedule but you all have to do it
1: yeah i think that's one of like the less glamorous sides of track and field that a lot of people don't realize um i mean even just on my last trip like I had two races in Italy, two in Hungary, but unfortunately it was back and forth between the two countries. Mm. It was like every two day, every, every other day it was like Italy to Hungary, Hungary back to Italy, Italy to Hungary. And, um, a lot of these times, like the, these competitions aren't in major cities, right? So you're flying, having a connection. A lot of these times travel takes, you know, 10 or 11 hours. And it just, it does take a lot toll on your body. Um, but I've kind of been able to master that throughout the years and I can sleep on flights and stuff pretty easily. But, um, I think a lot of people don't realize like there is a lot of travel when it comes to these kind of things even when it just seems like in between these meets in Europe shouldn't be much but a lot of times it's you know 10-12 hours of sitting in a van sitting on a bus flying connecting so
0: gosh what are your travel tips how do we how can people survive this better
1: I think uh, kind of along the same lines you talked before is like having a positive outlook on things I've had so many things go wrong Mm. since I've traveled so much that um, kind of nothing I do and nothing that happens amazes me anymore <laughs> um, so I think you know I have two sets of everything if I'm checking a bag I make sure I have one there I make sure I have one in a carry-on I think that's probably biggest thing as far as you know athletes go when they travel is make sure you always have your spikes in your uniform at least one set with you because yeah. I've had I have a bag that's been missing in Europe right now for about six weeks So, <laughs> <laughs> as as things stand. So yeah, that's one of the biggest things I think is just to, you know, have a, a positive outlook on it. Um, you know, I'm just maybe unfortunate, but I can sleep pretty much anywhere and I've kind of developed that skill.
0: Maybe it's because you work so hard that you're just so exhausted that you can't not sleep.
1: Yeah. Yeah, it could be. Um, so that, you know, that definitely helps being able to, you know, rest on, on flights and it's not really a, a big stressor for me. So.
0: Okay. One of the other things I wanted to talk to you about though is you're like never injured. like never, literally. Yeah. So can you tell us how that's happened?
1: Uh yeah, so uh, I don't think I've missed more than like two days in a row from running or working out ever since I ever since I got to Iowa. yeah. Um, that's insane. Yeah. I mean, we've got a great, like the athletic training staff, the athletic trainer is still the same one that I had in college. So, I mean, I know him really well and he'll help me out with anything. The, the strength and conditioning staff is awesome. Um, I mean, I still uh, lift with the team. So being able to be in that environment and still having those resources, I think that being consistent with those things, you know, I've kind of always preached on the podcast. I do the same routine before bed. Mm. Um, you know, I just do a little like stretch foam rolling routine. I think that um, being consistent with those things has really helped me to, you know, be injury free. Um it's probably a little luck that goes into that too with how much I race and, and how much I, you know, train and whatnot. But I do think that like focusing on those little things and being consistent has really helped me to, you know, avoid some of those things.
0: How many times a week do you lift? Three. Okay. That's a lot. Yeah,
1: so we'll lift. Yes, we'll lift um generally Monday, Wednesday, Friday we'll lift on the same days as like our harder workouts. Um and that's something I didn't do in high school at all. So that was a big um transition for me as I hadn't lifted a single weight in high school. So I got here and I see all these guys doing all these like Olympic movements and lifting. And I was using a broomstick for the first like three months, just (laughs) because I'd never, I'd I'd never seen any of this. So um, yeah, that was definitely, definitely, you know, a shock to the system. Um, But I think that that's something that I've even, um, has become one of my like greatest strengths, I think, compared to probably a lot of 800 meter runners is, um, you know, I'm pretty strong because of everything we do in the weight room. I think that that's probably helped as far as injury prevention goes too.
0: What's like, if someone's like, I not lifting three days a week, I'm lifting like once a week, whatever. Mm -hmm. What's like, what are like three exercises where like you have to do this if you want to stay injury free?
1: Um, something we've always focused on, especially with like the 800 and faster stuff is like doing single leg things, I think has really helped me. So like a, like a single leg RDL, whether it's with no weight or like dumbbells, I think that that's been one of my staples. Um, I think that that just really helps the whole like chain of everything glutes hamstrings I think that that's been huge um i would say that's probably number one um for me is just like a single leg rdl that kind of stuff to some type of like nordic hamstring exercise um i think that that's that's big and you kind of see a lot of you know hamstring injuries and whatnot so that's been a, a staple of what we do what's nordic
0: um, What does nordic mean? so nordic is
1: like um if you'd have like you could either like hook your feet on a bench or like a band so you fall forward so your hamstrings are oh, contracting.
0: Okay. Yeah.
1: Um so that or you could even do like a similar like uh like with a BOSU ball, like do like a hamstring curl or yeah. sorry, like a ball, do something like that. Um hamstring curl, kind of the same thing. And then um, honestly we just do a lot of like plank circuits, mm. um like like normal planks, you know, single arm, single leg planks. Um so that's something we'll do you know, two to three times a week after, after lifting. I think that, you know, that, um, the core strength combined with everything else, I think those would probably be three of the biggest things.
0: All right. We've got some listeners that are going to add those three things <laughs> into their weekly routine. I love it. Um, so something everybody I feel like is talking about with you is like the 200 sub one fifties, uh, in the 800, which, when did you actually hit that?
1: Drake relays this year. So it ben been like the third week of April.
0: Okay. So, side note, does Blake Bolden still, is he still the director there? Oh, yeah. Okay. I know him because he used to be the executive director at the Monumental Marathon in Indianapolis. That's right. Yep. He's awesome.
1: Yeah, he is. I've known Blake for a while. um, And he actually reached out to me when this was kind of getting close. And we were able to, you know, figure out my schedule um, in order to, you know, have the 200th. Sub 150 take a shot at it at the drake relays which is a place that i've had a lot of awesome memories um in college and professional and just you know having lived in iowa for so long it's just a huge event here so um it was really special to be able to do it there
0: um yeah what what is so special about the drake relays like does what do people love so much about it
1: uh I think it's just like the high schoolers and the colleges and now the pros all coming together in the same mm-hmm. event. And uh, there's always a huge crowd for Drake, I think, especially because of all the high school kids that are there. Um, so it's always packed. Um, it's an awesome environment. It's a lot of events that you don't get to see a lot of other times during the year. I mean, you know, they run sprint medleys and distance medley relays and stuff like that. So I think there's just a... A lot of different aspects of track coming together um in a place that really loves to support track and field um so it's you know it's pretty cool event to be at um and had a lot of good memories
0: okay so you said you're maybe not an iowa lifer though like where else would you want to live
1: uh so my partner bethany grew up in colorado in the boulder area um so i know that she was still uh wants to be out there at some point so um we'll see that would probably be that'd probably be the other option so.
0: is she in iowa with you
1: uh she is yeah okay she, she, she's out there every once in a while but yeah so she's okay. been in Iowa with me since we both went to college here okay um so yeah
0: did you meet in college
1: uh so we knew each other in college but started dating um after we graduated
0: okay does she run
1: she does so she was an 800 meter runner um and competed her last event was the trials in 2016 okay and has since has since taken up ultra running oh so i trained her i wrote her training plan for a couple of 50 milers she did 100 miler um so that's kind of where she's uh wow. where she's been at now so yeah wow 800
0: to 100 miler
1: yeah. Yeah. So it was a,
0: that's a wild.
1: But yeah, no, she enjoys it a lot.
0: So she must've been like a more endurance, you know, like if you're an 800 meter runner, like some, you swing up or down, she must've been a, a swing up person where she, did she swing up to the 15?
1: She actually never did. And wasn't really, so in she was like, she was like a 200, 400 runner in high school, like wow. was on the four by four in college. Um So she transitioned and started working with coach Woody. Um Might've been like 2015, And, um, they kind of realized that, you know, she does have a lot of aerobic ability and started doing some, some longer stuff. So I think that definitely helped her, you know, later in her professional career. Um, and she's just always really enjoyed just, you know, going out for a run and doing some of the longer stuff. Um, so yeah, she, she enjoys that going out for, you know, 20, 25 mile runs is not for me, but, uh, she likes it.
0: (laughs) How did you devise her plan? Like what kind of research did you do?
1: Uh, so I have a couple of good friends, one that, you know, worked, two of them that worked at the running store with me, um, that have done ultras. So kind of just, you know, picking their brains, uh, I was a physiology major in college. So something I've kind of kept up with, um, I coach, not that it's relatable, but I've also, you know, I coached a high school track team for, for five years. And so just kind of having a general knowledge of that kind of stuff and knowing generally what needs to be done. Obviously it was a little bit of an experiment, but it went well and she trusted me with it, which I think helped. So
0: which one did she do?
1: Um, she did, I'm trying to remember the one it's in Illinois to Iowa, but I'm blanking on it.
0: Is it more trailer roads?
1: Trail. Um, and then she also did the Prairie Spirit 50 mile in Kansas. She did that a couple of times. So those were the 50 milers. She did that once or twice The North Face one in Wisconsin. She did a 50 miler. I don't know why I'm blanking on what the 100 miler was.
0: So, I'm curious. My husband like dabbled in ultras for a little bit. Like he's done a couple 50s and 100k. Um and he did a lot of like just like back-to-back long running on the weekends. I'm mm-hmm. curious like how did you how does like the planning change from 50 to 100?
1: Um mileage we probably increased maybe i don't know not a ton maybe just like 10 or 20 percent, but it was a lot of like the longer back-to-back long runs which yeah. i think was the biggest thing especially for her like not having done a, a ton of stuff like that and just pushing that aspect a little bit helped um also in the, like the middle of it, she did like a 50k as like a long run i think that having that kind of competitive opportunity helped um just being a little bit of a, a transition so
0: yeah, nice to have a race in there as your long run, because then you can yeah. – it's, like, more fun.
1: <laughs> yeah, for sure.
0: Um, So you mentioned you – like, 600 is probably, like, your best distance. Yeah. So then do you swing down? Like, if you had to choose, like, would 400 or 15 – which would you rather oh, race?
1: 400 for sure. Really? Yeah. Why? Um, I think – having always run on, like, 4 by 4s in college, I mean, I'll still run on, like, one or two by 4s every year now, um, just – It's just a a fun event that I like to do, and um, I don't love running the 1500. I think I might if our training was a little bit different, but we do so much faster, shorter stuff that I don't think, like, with how we train now, I'm fully equipped to be very good at the 1500. So, um, when we do the 1500, it can be a little bit torturous for me. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I would say probably would be the 400. I enjoy racing more, but, um, I probably have more of a ceiling with the 1500 if we were to explore that, especially as I get older.
0: Yeah. Um, okay. What, what is something professionally or personally that you would like to do that you haven't done yet?
1: Oh, Uh, I think I'd like to go back to some of the places I raced at and actually be able to explore them. Um, so there's a, a lot of the smaller meets in Italy I've been to, you know, four or five times I really like that area, but it's usually like a day or two here or there that we're there and racing every other day that I haven't been able to kind of explore some of these places as much as I would like. So, um, like to maybe take a couple trips back over to Europe, um, and kind of get to see some places that I haven't been able to.
0: Have you ever built in, I mean, it's obviously expensive, but like, have you ever built in a couple extra days?
1: There's been a few times. So, um, I got to see Rome for a couple of days, which is really cool. Um, Budapest, we also did a couple of us stayed an extra couple of days, There's a few here and there, but there's a lot of places that I would want to go back to that I haven't been able to.
0: Mm. What is the best, most recent book you've read?
1: I read a book about Giannis who plays on the bucks. So I don't know if anyone is, he has a movie on Disney Plus now, kind of about his yes. upbringing and his career. Um, so there was also a book that just came out. Um, so I just uh, read that recently, um, and I enjoyed that.
0: Is it like a like written from his perspective, or someone writing it like they're writing about his life?
1: Writing about his life.
0: Okay. Yeah. Yes, I have heard about that on Disney Plus. It's good. It's
1: it's really it's very good. Yeah.
0: You've watched it too.
1: Mm-hmm, yeah. Okay.
0: What's your favorite? like sport to watch uh
1: football probably really basketball
0: yeah um I just love having football on and I don't care what's happening or really know what's happening um but just like having it on in the background and like soup on the stove (laughs) fall candle all the basic things it's just very comforting
1: yeah I think it being in fall makes it that much better yeah you know know, grill outside it's not hot out and just kind of enjoy some outside time while watching so
0: our oldest son is like um getting to the point now where he like understands things and plays and like really enjoys watching it now and um him and my husband were watching uh, yesterday and Sunday. And I was like, look at you guys living your best life. Like you've waited 10 years for this and now you have a buddy to watch it with. Cause I don't, Uh, you know, I don't watch it or pay attention. I just, I'm just physically present.
1: Yeah. Bethany always gives me a hard time when fall approaches and I'm super excited for football season because I'll just park it on the couch every Sunday afternoon and she knows where to find me.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Um, okay. Who's someone fun, motivating or inspiring you would like to have coffee, tea or cocktail with?
1: I think I would also pick Giannis based on having just having read the book and his upbringing. I mean, you know, they, um, you know, growing up in Nigeria and having to flee to Greece and not being super accepted there. To you know, coming over to the U.S. as a teenager um, by himself, not knowing if he was going to see his family again, um, and just just turning into a, a superstar and having grown up in Milwaukee and just seeing what he does for the community back there. Um, I think it'd be cool to you know, sit down and, and chat with them and just let them know like, like how special it is the community back home.
0: That's awesome. That's so good. Uh, what's your last message to leave with our audience today?
1: You know, we talked about it a bit earlier. I would just say, if there's something you're thinking about exploring something you want to do, um, take a chance and, and go after it because, um, like we said, life's life too short to, to not take that step. And I think for me, I've seen it, you know, in a lot of aspects of my life. Um, my brother was working a job for a while that he wasn't really enjoying and has kind of, I convinced him a little bit to take the step and, you know, he's going to be, you know, starting a, a new job and kind of exploring things that he wants to do also. So I think that um, that's when the biggest thing is for me is just, you know, explore things that you want to do because at the end of the day, like if you don't do it, you never know what the outcome could be. So take that chance.
0: One life. Yep. Thanks, Eric. Thank you. Alright, everybody, thanks for being here today. Thank you, Eric, for sharing your story and coming on the podcast. It was so fun to get to know you. You all can follow Eric on social media. He is E. Sowinski. S-O-W-I-N-S-K-I on Instagram. You can follow me, I'm Lindsay Hine, 626 And on Twitter, I'm at Lindsay Hine. We also have a Facebook group. I'll have another podcast with Lindsay Heine. Uh, Thanks for being here. Don't forget, we've got tons of extra content over on Relay, patreon.com slash Relay. And then um, on my personal Patreon page, I know Patreon here, Patreon there, I'm actually releasing the live show conversation I had with Abdi Abderrahim and Dina Castor from the Chicago Marathon. So content going out on both of those sites. Friends, thanks for being here. I'm looking forward to putting out these post Chicago marathon interviews. And I hope that you really enjoy them. All right. Have a really great rest of your day. If you want to learn more about this podcast, go to sandywayproductions.com. We will see you next week.